Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 217. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. April is here. Spring break has come, or is coming, and Donald Trump is back. And you know that that means it's a time to stay vigilant. We have information that uh, Donald Trump has now been formally arrested, uh, and he is... uh, Um, That has just happened. And he said on his way there, he said, heading to Lower Manhattan, the courthouse seems so surreal. Wow, they're going to arrest me. Well, they now have. Indeed, they have. It's finally happened. Trump's been arrested. Probably for the first time in what could be a number of times soon to come. No one in America should be above the law especially someone who's caused so much damage to our great country and to the world. But wow, President Mayhem has finally been arrested and happened just a few blocks from where I live, just a few blocks from where my kids go to school, and just a few blocks from Ground Zero and the World Trade Center. And it was the most beautiful weather day of the year. The sky was 9-11 blue. That's what we called that shade of blue that was overhead on 9-11. And the energy and the happiness of the first real spring day of the year was overflowing and contagious all across the city in that wonderfully and uniquely New York City kind of way. Meanwhile, just blocks away, the former president of the United States was being arraigned, finally. And many of us in this city and around the world are happy about that too. But it's really no cause for celebration. It's a true embarrassment for our entire nation, but maybe a step toward healing. Healing that's likely to be painful and potentially violent on many levels. But this might be a time that can help us all regain some faith in the laws and systems of our land, and also a step toward finally regaining respect for America around the world. The entire arraignment day in New York was a bizarre thing, a moment where the skies over my neighborhood were filled with police helicopters, and it was definitely a moment to thank the countless law enforcement, Secret Service, FBI, FDNY, military, and other public service personnel working all across the city and all across the country to keep everyone safe. They were on rooftops, in choppers, in subways, monitoring cameras, undercover, and in more ways than we'll ever know. But Trump is back, and he's surging. Every indictment, assuming there will be others, and no matter how legitimate, and every indictment development will force Trump back to the top of the news cycle. The attention will increase, and so will his poll numbers with GOP voters. 
This twisted cycle will repeat and compound for the next few years, and his base and momentum will intensify and regrow. And unless he gets sick, dies, or is put behind bars, and probably then even still, he will be the 2024 GOP nominee for President of the United States. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand the GOP in 2023. And you don't understand much of America. It's disgusting, but it's true. And if somehow he's not the GOP nominee, he'll run as an independent. President Mayhem is back in version 2.0. He's not going away. He's surging, and his movement remains real. And it's now energized more than any other time since January 6th. And a man who can mobilize even a few million angry people in America with guns should not be dismissed. Donald Trump remains the single greatest threat to American national security. And that alone is enough to require your attention and your vigilance. It's not just about the election and whether or not he can win the nomination or whether or not he can win the presidency. It's most urgently about the fact that he can get lots of angry people to do violent things. And this time, we can't blame the media. They have to cover this. It's a story of massive magnitude. It's historic. And that's the damnedest part. Media attention is like the rocket fuel for his movement and this newest campaign for president. And he's a master of this, the likes of which we've never seen. So, here we are. Real patriots, friends of America, anyone who wants a truly free and democratic future for America and therefore much of the world, it's again time to answer the call in whatever way you can to peacefully, strategically, and tenaciously support and defend America and oppose Trumpism. Now, for a while, and until it's no longer required. So strap in, folks. It's going to be another wild ride. But like generations before us, we all have to do our part. Write, organize, educate, advocate, donate, create, volunteer, listen, love, run for office, support good leaders, teach your children, fight peacefully, work, speak out. It's time to rise to the moment again. It's time to defend America from enemies, foreign, and especially domestic, again. Time to stay vigilant again. And even more than last time. Because stakes is high again. Coming up, I'll talk to the fiery Joe Walsh about all of it. The former Republican insider, congressman, and firebrand turned independent and I will talk about what it all means, why Trump is still likely the Republican nominee, why he could blow up the independent brand in dangerous and irreversible ways, why violence could still be coming, and why it's all about so much more than just the election. <laughs> 
But first, a few urgent and important items to make sure are on your radar as we launch into another wild month of 2023. Yes, Passover is here, Easter is coming, Trump is back, and the Ukraine war never ended. Despite Trump's attempt to help Putin and undermine Ukraine, the war continues. And there was some news you probably missed this week. The U.S. announced another $2.6 billion in support and military aid for Ukraine. And this one's got tons of heavy munitions, including additional munitions for Patriot missiles, Additional ammunition for HIMARS, 155mm and 105mm artillery rounds, 120mm mortar rounds, and there's also additional munitions for NASAMs, nine counter-unmanned aerial system 30mm gun trucks, which are gun trucks to shoot down drones, 10 mobile CUAS laser-guided rocket systems, more javelins, and more precision aerial munitions. So America's sending more, and we need to continue to pour it on. And as I've covered before, we need to stop making Ukraine play mother may I. We need to give them everything, give them the blank check to finally win this war, and that includes F-16s. And we're not the only ones stepping up. Finland's flag was finally raised at NATO headquarters this week, which shows a major shift in the balance of power between the West and Russia. Finland finally and officially joined the NATO alliance on Tuesday, and they are a tough and extremely valuable addition to the vital NATO team, one that is essential in supporting Ukraine and American security interests and standing against Russia inside Ukraine and all the way up to the Arctic, and one that Putin must hate. But this Easter, unfortunately, most Americans are not tracking closely on the war in Ukraine. But maybe even more unfortunately, most Americans are not even tracking on our own wars, which actually continue. The U.S. says that drone strikes killed a senior ISIS leader who had plotted attacks in Europe. Another one. Yes, America, another airstrike in Syria from U.S. forces. Yes, America, we are still at war in Syria, and elsewhere around the world, or at least our sons and daughters in uniform are, this is our forever war, the forever war that can continue until the AUMF, the Authorization of Use of Military Force, is finally overturned by Congress. Also unnoticed by most Americans, the Army released the names and photos of nine soldiers killed last week in a helicopter crash near Fort Campbell in Kentucky. They ranged in ages from 23 to 36. This Passover, this Easter, this spring break, there will be nine empty seats at dinner tables all across the country. And these are their names. Warrant Officer First Class Jeffrey Barnes, 33, of Milton, Florida. Corporal Emily Marie Eve Bolaños, 23, of Austin, Texas. Chief Warrant Officer 2, Zachary Esparza, 36, of Jackson, Missouri. Sergeant Isaac John Gallo, 27, of Los Angeles, California. Staff Sergeant Joshua Gore, 25, 
Moorhead City, North Carolina. Warrant Officer 1, Aaron Healy, 32, of Cape Coral, Florida. Staff Sergeant Taylor Mitchell, 30, of Mountain Brook, Alabama. Chief Warrant Officer 2, Rustin Smith, 32, of Rolla, Missouri. And Staff Sergeant David Solinus, Jr., 23, of Oradell, New Jersey. If you want to help the families of these soldiers killed at Fort Campbell, please check out TAPS.org, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Their founder, Bonnie Carroll, has joined us on this show. And they're already there on the ground working with these families. I've been in touch with Bonnie, and she reports that they're already providing help. And there's no finer nonprofit helping the families of the fallen than TAPS. I'll link to them in the show notes, and please do what you can to help. And as the war overseas continues, the political wars here at home also continue. And the great fragmentation of American politics rolls on. And in the war for the soul of America, and in the war for the future of American politics, our new, growing, and evolving independent movement is no exception. And like in combat, sometimes you have to be on the offensive, and other times, the defensive. And for me, that defensive time was this week. There was something called the INC Convention this week in Austin. The INC billed itself as a new convention for independence. And that sounds great. But there was one major problem. The keynote speaker was not an independent. It was actually a former Democrat turned radical that is many things, but not an independent. And definitely not the kind of leader that I want to stand with as we continue to define our movement. So I didn't go. I boycotted the INC convention this week. I told organizers that I've got a major concern being part of an event that Tulsi Gabbard is headlining. The former Hawaii congresswoman was the headliner of this so-called independent event. And I especially had a problem with it, given the atmosphere in America this week around Trump's indictment, her role as a backup for Tucker Carlson on his radical right-wing TV show, and her recent comments, including comparing Biden to Hitler. Now, this is not the Tulsi Gabbard I used to know from her early days in Congress and working together on veterans issues. You may remember her appearing on this show in the early days. Back then, she was already starting to go in this direction. But now it's gotten so much worse. And she and this stuff don't represent me or the broader independent movement or responsible leadership, especially by and for veterans. And I told them, as long as she was involved in headlining this INC event, I couldn't be part of it. I cannot and will not support this kind of reckless and dangerous voice in any way. And as we continue to grow our vital, powerful, diverse, independent movement, especially in these critical early days, the values and leaders that we stand with will define us. And Tulsi Gabbard does not define independent Americans. Now, you'll notice that many other high-profile independent leaders stayed away from this event, too. And for this reason, and for others. So I asked the organizers to remove me from the program and all related material, and they've done that. We've had some productive and respectful conversations. Look, I appreciate their attempts to organize our independent movement, but it's got to be tight. It's got to be right. And for this one, 
It wasn't. And I'm out. So to all my fellow independents that are participating and attending, the road for this movement is long and winding, and I hope we'll meet at some point further down it, and that we can find other, more, and better ways to organize our independent movement. That includes fighting to help define what independents are and what they're not. And in my view, they're not Tulsi Gabbard or Dennis Kucinich, who is also another Democrat headlining this convention. And it's also not West Virginia Democrat and Senator Joe Manchin, who on Fox News this Sunday evaded some pretty direct questions about whether or not he'll run for president in 2024 as a third-party candidate. Now, Manchin has been leaving open the possibility. And look, nobody wants Manchin to run except Manchin. He's not the future of anything. Definitely not the future for independence. He's a broken past. And independent Americans are defining and improving democracy in vital ways right now nationwide. We're shaping the future. And America needs us more than ever. And we must stay vigilant in what we stand for, how we speak out, and what we say. Being independent is not an easy road. But it's also the road that is necessary to take for so many, including our guest in this episode. Yeah, President Mayhem is back, but so is our guest. He's a returning champion that joined us most recently last November for episode 197. He's been inside the Republican Party, and he's left the Republican Party. And he's got a unique take on what's next for the GOP, for Trump, for independence, and for America. And he's pissed off and cranked up even more than usual. He's our friend, Joe Walsh. Yes, Joe Walsh, the former Republican congressman and Tea Party leader from Illinois, is back. Trump is back. April is back. Baseball is back. But we never left. Welcome to the return of Trump. Welcome to President Mayhem 2.0. Welcome to Gut Check Time for America. Welcome to Independent Americans, Episode 217. and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. April is here and it is full of fools. It is full of rain. It is full of storms. Maybe it'll be full of some flowers, but we have a special uh, flower of content for you today. A special guest who I always enjoy having back on the show and I think is the perfect person to chop it up with as all of this flies all around America and around the world. The great and powerful Joe Walsh is back on Independent Americans. Welcome back, my friend. 
Hey, Paul, good to be with you. Uh, I'm in a bad mood, so this will make for an interesting conversation. All right, well, I want to get you out of that bed. Why are you in a bad mood? Yeah, I'm tired. And, and by the way, you're younger than I am, and I like that you have a smile on your face. Paul, I'm fucking exhausted. Politically right now, you and I are in the battle every day. Uh, I'm I'm homeless. You're homeless. It's a lot tougher to not be on a side. It's a lot tougher to not make to make money when you're not on a side. It's a lot tougher to be heard when you're not on a side. So it gets exhausting day after day. You I, know, I, brother. I, you, I do. I'm, I want to talk. I want to talk about that. That's one of the many things I want to pull apart with you. I want to talk about the Trump indictment. I want to talk about the rise of people who are giving independence a bad name. I want to talk about the threats of violence. And I think how a lot of the media is just misreading this. The last time you were on the show was November of last year. So it's been a little while, but let's, let's start with um, this week. Right. And, and kind of, I want to get to the indictment specifically, but I, I'm already feeling like the media is covering this like a hurricane that hasn't hit yet where they don't really have a lot of the facts uh, they don't really have a lot of the science. There's a lot of speculation and spin. And to your point, I think people are tired of storms. I feel like everybody's exhausted. And I kind of rally people and said, look, I know you're tired of this shit. I know you're tired of Trump. I know you're tired of the Democrats. But I still think he is a tremendous, if not the greatest national security threat we face, because I think there's a bigger picture beyond the nomination for president. And I feel like that's where the media has gotten focused. Like, is he going to lose the nomination? Is he going to be president? And I think it's much bigger than that. And I think it's more important than that. But we're, break it down from, from your standpoint. You do multiple news shows. You have your own show. You are politically homeless. How are you sizing up this moment without the news specifically, but how the country is kind of reacting to it? Um, our political system is broken. It's been severely broken for a long time. That's why Trump, that's why we got Trump. Uh, he's still here and he's the favorite to be the Republican Party nominee. Uh, he incited a violent attempt to overthrow an, uh, an American election 26 months ago. And he is still the Republican Party favorite to be the nominee. I think the indictment is really pretty weak and I think it will be rocket fuel for his political campaign. Yeah, that, that's what I called it yesterday. I called it rocket fuel for his movement. Um, I think he, I stole that from you. Yeah, you might have. Because, look, I mean, this is uh, the damnedest part of it is, is, you know, he feeds on this, right? And his movement feeds on this. So every indictment is going to be a domination of the world media in a way that only Trump can do. And it feeds on to itself. So I think it is bigger than the nomination uh, and whether or not he can win. And I, I actually don't blame the media this time, right? Like, I feel like they do have to cover this, right? A president was indicted. He, you know, I live blocks away yesterday. I've never seen security downtown yeah. in lower Manhattan like I saw yesterday. I mean, the entire city was frozen, helicopters overhead. It was so loud. I was walking my kids to work and also trying to remind people that people actually live here, that this is our neighborhood. And when Marjorie Taylor Greene and others you know, want to want to want to insurrect and and threaten violence and get people riled up. Remember, like there are nursery schools down here yeah. and people going to work. Um, but but I do think the media has to cover it. How they cover it is important, right? They have to try to cover it from an impartial standpoint. Try to cover the facts. They don't have to magnify his misinformation. But can you talk about just in this early you know forty eight hours or so how the coverage has been? I think Paul, like you, I. 
generally think it's been good and I think it's been fair. This is historic. This is a big deal. This is like a president getting impeached. A former president was indicted. Never has it happened before. And I think generally the media has been pretty fair about this indictment. Um, uh, I think this indictment is a stretch. I think this indictment is weak. And even on CNN and MSNBC last night, well, there were people on MSNBC that were making a huge deal out of this indictment. But I think the general consensus was, is that it? Which led to Trump speaking at Mar-a-Lago uh, Tuesday night, uh, thumping his chest because this will this will help him. Look, Paul, you know, if you're going to go after a former president, nobody's above the law. But if you're going to go after him, you don't go after him for misdemeanors. And that's basically the case that was put in front of him yesterday. So they, they, Alvin Bragg's got to prove that it's a felony. But if you were sitting in Trump's strategy tent, right, you look at this and say, thank you very much. This is perfect. Right. You've got a New York court. You've got a black uh uh, prosecutor that you can say is is liberal, right? But this is painting a picture. I mean, this is not like uh, like something that might happen in Georgia or might happen in other places. If you were going to lay it out on Trump's behalf, this is pretty much the hand of cards you would want, right? And when I look at it, I think I think you're right that this is rocket fuel. And what I guess I'm kind of concerned about is is people dismissing him. Right. Dismissing him as his crowds aren't that big or he's not that sharp on the mic. And I don't think his supporters give a shit. I don't think they hear that. I don't think they see that. I think it's baked in. You've called it a cult. And I think that he is still uh, the odds on favorite to be the nominee for the Republican Party. And we've already seen that the Republicans are starting to gather around him. So talk about that. You've been inside the Republican Party. You were elected in the Republican Party. You left the Republican Party. Can you break down what you see happening in the party around him? Well, here's a uh, look. He's stronger now than he was a month ago. A month ago, he was stronger than he was six months ago. We forget his numbers have gone up uh, before this past week and this week. Um, it's not just the indictment. Look, I, I, I come from the Republican Party base. They want a son of a bitch. They want a cruel, intolerant authoritarian. They want a guy who will lie, kick, steal and cheat to get them back the 1954 America they want. Trump's the guy. A lot of them have put their hopes in DeSantis because they tell me he's like Trump, but Joey can win. Uh, I know DeSantis. DeSantis, his numbers are already going down. He's not going to wear well. He doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the chutzpah that Trump has. So I think DeSantis is going to become pretty irrelevant if, Paul, I'm not even convinced he's going to run, if he runs. And within the Republican Party, there's nobody else that fits that profile of an intolerant, cruel, authoritarian son of a bitch. So it not, it's not Nikki Haley. It's not Mike Pence. It's none of them. And so it's Pence. I don't, I mean, it's, it's Trump. I don't think there's any question that he's the nominee. Yeah. I mean, I think when I, when I, when I watch it and look at it, I see the same thing. I mean, I don't think DeSantis is, is got the, is got it. I don't think he's got the toughness. I don't think he's got the dynamism. I don't think he's got the momentum. I don't think he can go head to head with Trump and win. I think it's going to be Trump unless he's, in jail, and then he still might get it, 
right? Uh, or if he's sick or dies, which for an 80-year-old or so guy, I think that's still the biggest risk for him and for Biden. If I'm a betting man, I'm putting a little bit money, of money on one of them getting sick and for some reason not being able to carry on or even or even dying. But when you see this path to the nomination start to clear, which I think it is starting to clear as he continues to dominate the media and he raises money and people get out of his way, um, if he doesn't get it, there's something I think you and I have talked about before that I don't think folks are tracking on. I think he's still going to run. He's going to run as an independent. And for real independents like me and like you and like so many others that are trying to redefine what an independent is, I think that's terrible for our movement. I think that sets us back a generation. But can you talk about that option, too? Well, so weirdly, and maybe you and I disagree on this, uh, You know, I can't stand Trump and Trump has no philosophy, no core. In many ways, he is the epitome of an independent because he's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's just all about Trump. Uh, he's a bad guy. He's a horrible person. He's an evil man. But in many ways, he's the perfect independent. Let me say one more thing, though, Paul, before we get into that. A lot of never Trumpers and smart Republican thinkers believe that, oh, this will strengthen Trump for the nomination, but there's no way Trump can win a general election again. I think that's bullshit. I think this indictment helps Trump get reelected. I think there are a lot of voters out there who are not Republican, who are sick of the Trump chaos, but they've now had four years of Biden. They don't like some of Biden. And if it looks like the system is unfairly going after Trump, these people will go right back in Trump's camp. Trump only lost by 50, 50, 55,000 votes in three states. I think there's a hell of a decent chance he gets reelected if he is the nominee. But to your point, if he's not the nominee, he's going to cause trouble no matter what, whether he runs again. Yeah, he's a political suicide bomber is what I've called him, right? Like he wants to blow everything up. And if he's going down, he, he's taking everybody with him. But I think, you know, it. what's baked in is his ground level of support, which I've said before, provides a national security challenge because anybody who can mobilize a couple million people is is a concern, right? Like if he says to them, hey, go to January 6th, hey, go do this thing. From a national security standpoint, whether it's Donald Trump or Maqtada al-Sadr, if you can organize a huge group of angry people, many of whom have guns, that should be, I think, a concern. But I want you to talk about something I think you understand, I understand, and I don't think a lot of people understand, which is the baked in hatred in America for Joe Biden now. It reminds me of the hatred that, that just kind of exists around the Democratic brand, which I think Democrats don't fully appreciate. Moderates tend to appreciate. Independents are showing they appreciate it by walking. They're leaving the Democratic Party or they're not joining it. But there's this baked in hatred for Democrats that went from you know Bill Clinton to Hillary Clinton to Nancy Pelosi. And now it just kind of waves over into Joe Biden. So Joe Biden's, you know, no matter how many points on the board he's putting up, I don't think is moving uh, that that right side of the aisle, at least the traditional voting Republicans that hate Democrats. Can you talk about that and, the, and this mentality of, frankly, like hatred for the Democratic brand that is, I think, solidified in a generation of Americans? Yeah, you know, in 2020, I think Biden won, Paul, because a lot of us former Republicans and conservatives worked our tails off to vote for a Democrat for the first time in our lives. Um, 
I don't know that that's going to be there in 2024. Biden has a record and he's done some bad things and he said some bad things and he's hewed too much to his left wing base, which most Americans don't like. I, again, I, I think if Trump can, tr Trump can tap into some of that. I think people are really missing it when they don't think that Trump can get independents to vote for him again. He can. Um, and, and you rightly nailed it, Paul. There are there. Are, most people tell me every day and they've told me every day and I've told you this low information voters who don't like either party. What they've told me every fucking day for the last five years is Republicans are assholes. Democrats are elites who don't understand me. That's a big problem for Democrats and Joe Biden. We're focused every day on the assholes. We're focused every day on the chaos. And it's it, it actually is a big favor for the Democrats because we don't focus on the Democrats' issues, which are they're out of touch with where working class Americans are. You give a candidate that can go after that stuff, Democrats are in trouble. Yeah, I think there's a race for the Democratic Party. They're trying to like run Joe Biden before he keels over and dies, right? Like every Democrat, I think, should be just hoping for his health above all else. Because if his health fails and this breaks apart and there's a free for all on the left, then that does clear more of a path for Trump or a Republican, right? Because if it's Trump against Kamala Harris, I'm not betting on Kamala Harris. Right. I just I, I hope that it's her, but I'm not going to vote bet on her and put my money on that. And there's this new generation of Wes Moore, who I keep bringing up over and over again, who I think is coming on like a freight train. But he's not there fast enough. Right. Like he might be there in six years to take on DeSantis. But in the meantime, they're running, you know, Joe Biden for all he's worth and he might not last. So can you talk about I know this is this is um this is this is prognosticating and I know we don't know what's going to happen, but there is a very real scenario between now and a year and a half from now that one of them isn't there. And on the Republican or Democratic side, it's 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 a feeding frenzy. Right. It's a shark tank. Both parties are broken. You, uh, you know this. And Paul, the, the 168 year old two party duopoly is broken. We spend so much of our time focused on the crazy Republican Party. And we don't spend enough time talking about the problems the Democratic Party has. If Biden doesn't run or he keels over or he can't run, it's going to be Kamala Harris. Um, again, the Democrats are a very woke, politically correct party. Uh, they are going to be loath to run against a black woman who's next in line. She is an incredibly weak national candidate. Uh, uh, every Republican would lick their chops to run against her. And then beneath her, you mentioned Wes Moore, but again, he's he's like brand new on the scene. There's yeah. not a great bench there for Democrats, Paul, who can reach, sit at a fucking bar in the middle of Missouri and talk to working class people. There aren't a lot of Democrats right now that can do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the hopes are all invested in Fetterman, or maybe Buttigieg is maybe Buttigieg is the nah. heir to the moderate, right? They would like him to be, and I've had him on the show. I've asked him about this: the heir apparent to the moderate wing of the Democratic Party when Biden eventually does move aside. Who is going to inherit that that moderate blue dog middle? And it doesn't seem like anybody's emerged. So, but let's focus on the independent piece because you and I have talked about this a lot, you know, on our on the show and and off. Um, 
there are a lot of people giving independence a bad name. And it's around that time where Democrats especially are getting really freaked out about an independent candidate. Right. And you've got cinema out there who hasn't declared what she's doing. You've got Joe Manchin, who's now throwing out this idea that he might run for president. And I think the only person who wants Joe Manchin to run for president is Joe Manchin. Um, but you've got no labels, right, which is this amorphous organization that most people don't know about that's talking about potentially running uh, a third party uh, ticket. You've got uh, Andrew Yang and the forward party, which I think is continuing to struggle to get traction. This week, we've got the INC convention happening in Austin, Texas, that almost nobody knows about, headlined by Tulsi Gabbard. But this oh. is a really interesting year for independence, where Evan McMullen lost. You and I and others are trying to work in this space, John Updike. But can you talk about this moment for independence, where there are a lot of folks giving us a bad name? Uh, and, and frankly, there are a lot of folks who are scared of us. So I think I think it's a bad moment for independence, weirdly, right, Paul, because both parties suck and they have pop problems. But it's a bad moment for independence. Half of it is their fault. Half of it's not. Here's the part that's not independence fault. We have one of our two major political parties, which is, as you rightly said, a real and direct threat to our democracy. So somebody like me, who would carry a banner for an independent movement or a party, my job right now, I've always felt, is to make sure Republicans don't win because they are a real direct threat to our democracy. So I got to support Democrats. Uh, I, I have to, it's this mindset, Paul, and I could be wrong. Hit me over the head. I want to save our democracy. And once we can do that by defeating Republicans, then we can reform our democracy. So I think that problem has kind of stifled the independent movement in this country right now. Because a lot of people like you and I feel that way. Hey, Joe, I'm all about a new party, a third party, an independent party, but I'm busy right now. I'm trying to stop Republicans. I get that. That's where I am. But then the other thing, Paul, is who the fuck are the independents? What the fuck is the forward party? Who the fuck is Andrew Yang? Don't tell me fucking Tulsi Gabbard is an independent. She's on fucking Tucker Carlson and fucking Sean Hannity every night. Tulsi Gabbard is mega. Part of this is the independence fault because they're stupid. You think Tulsi Gabbard is a fucking independent? If you're at some conference where Tulsi Gabbard is speaking as a fucking independent and she presents herself as a fucking independent and you buy that, then I don't want to be part of your party or your movement. I'm sorry, Paul. This just pisses me off because people like you and me and so many others are in this space for the right reasons. And then there are a bunch of fucking frauds. I'm done. That was a lot of f bombs, man. I'm sorry, Paul. That was a lot. Of, you need you need a minute. You need a minute. No, I, don't want you, you know, I don't want you to have a heart attack here. But, just, but, no, but listen, no, I think it, I think you're I think you're on, I think you're on to something. I, I think we don't always agree on a couple of things. Like one of the things that I've been trying to identify is I don't think that independents necessarily want a party. They don't want a third party. They want they don't want you know. The, what do the, they want? What do they want? I think they want leaders. I think they want leaders with authenticity that they can trust. And when you mentioned Trump as a perfect candidate, I don't think he's a perfect candidate because he was once a Republican or a Democrat. And you and I have talked about this on my show and in other places. I think there's a new generation of people. Many of them are veterans. They might come from the sports community. They might come from the celebrity community. We can dismiss The Rock all you want. But if The Rock decides to run for governor of California, like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger did, 
like Jesse Ventura did, right? This has happened before. So in this moment, there's a vacuum of leadership, right? And, who are and the leaders? Leadership, Paul, who are the leaders? Who are the I don't leaders? know. I, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. There is a vacuum of leadership right now. And I think what you've got is the charlatans and the opportunists who see that opportunity and think they, they maybe play in that, right? Whether it's Tulsi or it's it's someone else, mansion, cinema, they know there's power there. They know there's something there. They know there's half of the country there. And they think they can wear that jersey. But I think independents actually aren't stupid. I think they're smart, they're discerning, and they're looking for better, right? And that's why I've tried to organize veterans in particular, because I think retired military leaders are trusted. I think they've got integrity. They're people who are viewed as country over party. Somebody like Kinzinger is not ideal, but he's better for independence than Andrew Yang or or Tulsi Gabbard, right? And then I think there is this next generation. I've had folks on the show like Admiral Stravides. If Admiral Stravides says, I am going to run as an independent for anything, Admiral Stravides can redefine what it means to be an independent. It could be for Congress, right? So that's where I'm focused on is, is the grassroots infrastructure and building those feeder systems that will create leaders while, of course, you oppose the bad guys. You stop tyranny, you stop Trump, you, you oppose Trumpism. But I think you have to do both at the same time. You have to do build, you do. OK, OK, play OK. In the OK, but Paul, do you do you if it's Biden against Trump in 24? Do you and there's the chance there's a chance for a really good name that you like to run for president as an independent. Do you support that candidate? Probably not. No, but but here's the thing, because because I don't want Trump to win. And this is where Thank I think most, the reasonable next generation independents don't want to be spoilers. And it's not either or it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be president or nothing. If we're going to be a spoiler for president, then we don't run somebody. But maybe we can win for governor in Maine. Maybe we can win for Senate in Kentucky. Maybe we can win for something else in other places. And that's what I'm looking at is a full spectrum independent wave where candidates are the key, not the party. And, and the real key for candidates that you talk about all the time, Joe, authenticity. Agreed. Who are the really authentic people who are good populists, who are true patriots, who have the skill set and can do that. And you maybe will be the guy, I don't know, Smirkanich might want to be the guy until we think of someone else or someone else emerges. Those are going to be the names we've got. Agreed, Paul. And that's what's so fucked up about no labels, because they're only talking about a an independent presidential ticket, which would hurt Biden and help get Trump reelected. Well, it should Completely be called it should be called re, it should be called relabel because they're not they're not they're not running candidates who've never had a label. They're trying to relabel someone like Joe Manchin. Right. right. Which is not it's, it's still missing the core understanding of this country, I think. And of this moment, they don't want someone like that. They want someone who's none of the above, who hasn't been in politics. And it's not a billionaire. It's not a, a former anything. It's someone who says, and I use, I keep using military leaders as an example, someone who served their country, someone who's done their time and said, you know what, I'm entering this moment because I have to, because I, I feel a, 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 a necessity to serve. And I think the people who make that, that argument compellingly will cut through this like a knife through butter. And, and, and the other key here, Paul, is, look, again, right now, our job is to stop Trump and this Republican Party. Trump is done after 24, win or lose. He's done. I mean, he's, I, I, I don't, he's still around. He's still around and he's still got millions of followers. 
Yeah, yeah, but do you do you consider him at all somebody who might run again in twenty eight when he's eighty two or three I, years I old? Don't, I don't. Here's what I do consider, and I keep who coming knows? back to this. I consider him a national security threat. Anybody who will send lots of people to overthrow our government is a national security threat until he's not anymore. And then when he's gone, this is where it's a movement. And I keep identifying it as Trumpism, not just him. It's going to be Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's going to be others. So in the same way we fought the Ba'athists in Iraq, or you fight, you know, the 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 Islamic terrorists of Al Qaeda and ISIS. This is an ideology. It's a movement, and it's not just one person. So we've got to have a, a long view on this. I think right. national security threat and as a political dynamic. I, I lose a hey, Paul. I lose patience with independents who try to both sides the threat right now, and I get a lot of this. Like they're both bad. L- look, there's a big difference between the right and the left right now. I think the left is wrong on the vast majority issues, but the right is anti-democracy. And a lot of independents don't see that. That's a problem. I think, look, here's where where it's kind of like a giant self-licking ice cream cone. The Republicans can be this bad because the Democrats are this weak, right? That's as long as we have this duopoly. I'm rooting for the Democrats to be better. I'm rooting for them to be more moderate. I'm rooting for the Republicans to be more moderate. I'm rooting for more reasonable options. And I think that's where most thoughtful independents, especially the folks who are right now taking the time to leave the Democratic Party, taking the time to leave the Republican Party, who are saying, I want to be independent. Like I'm I wore my Yankee shirt today because I want to represent for New York baseball season starting. And I'm excited about that. But I'm a Yankee fan, always. I'm always going to be a Yankee fan. I'm going to root for the Yankees for the rest of my life till my dying day. But I'm a Yankees fan because my father was a Yankees fan and because his father was a Yankees fan. And politics kind of works the same way. Now, you've got a new generation of of New Yorkers who are Nets fans because the Nets didn't exist when when we were growing up as, as Knicks fans. So how do we create a new option and new options, whether it's Oklahoma City Thunder and, the, and you know, the Charlotte Bobcats and the, and the New Jersey Nets. I think that's the future is giving people other options that are viable and that can win. People want to back winners. And, and if a candidate, and I'm going to use it, I'm going to say a candidate can win. That's why I was rooting so hard for Evan McMullen. I wanted him to show that an independent could win. He was the wrong guy, but 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 the strategy and the intent was right. Well, but Paul, you can say he was the wrong guy, but he was running as an independent in the perfect situation, a state that wasn't a Trump state. The Democratic Party didn't field a candidate and it's and he still got blown away by more than all of us yeah, thought. But look, if, if he's if he's I don't I don't know Utah well enough, if he's John Stockton, I don't know if he's Carl Malone, like find someone who trans. Right. I mean, Mitt Romney has done this, right? Like if, if Mitt Romney ran as an independent, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Mitt Romney could win. But I think, I think but he'd I think, win statewide. I think it has to do with the candidate. Right. And I think that's what's really getting missed here is it really has to do with the fact nobody looks at the independent bench and goes, wow, I'm really worried about these guys. No. Right. And, and, and Paul, the movement will only launch and grow when good, interesting, new, dynamic people lead it. Um, and and, and I'm not ju- I don't think just one person. I think if there were four or five or six really new, interesting faces who came out in three months and said, fuck it, 
um, we're independents and we're going to launch an independent, The Rock and a bunch of other people, we're going to launch an independent movement in this country, it would go. Yeah. But people aren't doing that. I think leaders are afraid to do that. Well, and I think, you know, you and I have talked about this off offline too. I mean, th yeah. there is a lack of philanthropy in this space. There is a lack of investment, right? There are a lot of billionaires talking shit about running for themselves, but they're not investing in in the reform that's necessary, things like open primaries and ranked choice voting and public financing and independent uh, districting. I mean, those those are the fundamental things that are really lacking philanthropic investment. George Soros isn't investing in there. You know, the Koch brothers aren't investing in there. And this is a moment where I am actually putting that call out. Like people will run if there's money. And if Mike Bloomberg says, hey, everybody who runs as an independent, I'll give you two million bucks. They're going to come out of the woodwork. And, and that's the moment I think we're in where someone has to not only light the spark, but someone has to provide the fuel. Right, 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 right. You nailed it. It's the money. It's the leaders. The problem, Paul, is, and I say this in all due respect to you, my veteran friend, we're at war politically in this country. We are literally every day is a battlefield. The right against the left, Trump against the Democrats. It's hard for money people to get off of that battlefield and focus on something else because it's it. I want I got to put my money behind this uh, team or this team because they're at war. It's really hard to step off of the battlefield right now and create something new. Yep. Well, what I'm saying is it's all the battlefield. And what they have to look at is at the 100 meter target and not just the five meter target. And for folks who are doing good work, whether whether it's voting reform or, you know, stopping people from being disenfranchised or especially a lot of the social services group. I keep using this line. They're kind of like Zelensky. They don't need a ride. They need ammunition. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and they're deep in the fight. And, and there are a lot of people who are on this forward edge of the fight. And, and I think they need ammunition. So that's a call I'm going to continue to put out there. I know you're putting out the, the call from a thought leadership standpoint. Let me ask you to come back to that, to one issue, and then we'll wrap it up. How do you assess the threat of violence? Because I, I think that every time it's kind of like every time the anniversary of 9-11 goes by, people go, oh, we're safe. But they don't realize how many times the FBI locked somebody up, how many times the cops found someone, how many times they did a wiretap. And we'll never know how many terrorist attacks were stopped. And I feel like there's kind of a complacency and even a mockery that's happening of when, okay, the January 6th guys, you know, they, they're, they were ridiculous and they wore funny hats. You know, that's what the enemy wants, right? Like the enemy wants you to say, hey, they're just a bunch of guys who live in the mountains and have box cutters. And, and, and I think that that's happening where the country is kind of getting lulled, where they say, oh, a lot of people didn't show up yesterday to support Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, they didn't. But there have been multiple attacks on the power grid in other parts of the country. Right. There have been conspiracies to, to capture and kill elected officials. Paul Pelosi got attacked in his house. You know, there's kind of a lull that's happening around the threat of violence from domestic extremism. And I want to ask you, because I think you've got your, your ear to that and you also see how politicians are you know, singing that song in ways that are kind of dog whistles. How do you assess the ongoing threat of violence? I think it's huge and I think it's scary. Paul, I come from the Republican Party base. I've said very publicly the last few years that the Republican Party base is radicalized. A part of that is it's no longer about defeating their enemy. They want to destroy their political enemy and kill their political enemy. I hear from these people all the time. I think these next two years are going to be ugly. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see a huge January 6th kind of event. I see a lot of lone wolf 
events and you nailed it. How many have we stopped and how many will we stop? I think there's going to be a lot of targeted acts of violence over the court between now and the November election. It's to my real. friends who are in elected office, I've had a number of conversations behind them and behind the scenes. And I'm just like, make sure your security's doubled up. Absolutely. Right? Because I mean, that, that that's where I think your, your, your point about a lone wolf is important. And, and, you know, the, the smart ones aren't going to go to center street, you know, in, in lower Manhattan right now, the smart ones are conspiring and they're, and they're planning and they're taking their time and they're thinking it through. And those are the real threats to our political system, but most of all to our national security. So I want to keep, keep tracking on it. I know you will do. Is there, what's giving you hope, Joe? I mean, I know you're pissed off. You, you said the F-bomb more than anybody in the history of my show. And that's saying a lot. I'm but there's got to be something. Is there a leader? Is there a thing? Is it baseball? I mean, something we, we talk, we're not going to talk about March Madness. I mean, that was great, except for at the end. when Like that was, the, that was America in a nutshell. It was great until the end where even the amazing women's game divided the whole country and the men's game was a flop and UConn ends up winning again. But but what's giving you hope or, or, or excitement about the future of America? Caitlin Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, what gives me? Okay, can I ask you about it? Let's talk about that for a second. Because um, I I mean, I guess the race component is kind of coming out here, but I feel like as now a sort of older guy, this feels like bird versus magic all over again. Yeah. Well, you know it, it, is. It, it, it is. And, and bird, look, there's no doubt race is a part of this. No doubt. Uh, but Caitlin Clark was the best player in the college game, and she's white. And she is the best player. Um, and people reacted to it differently. All of that. I thought what the, the biggest thing, and I, I think Jill Biden has walked this back, her idiotic idea of let's invite the winners and the losers to the White House. Let's hold hands. Can't we all just get along? Everybody gets a fucking trophy. This is where the left goes off the fucking rails. There was a basketball game. LSU won. This is their honor. Ugh. So Caitlin Clark is is reason for, and I, I think she she is an impressive young woman. I mean, I'd love to see Angel Reese and and Caitlin Clark battle for the next twenty years. I mean, it was it was so amazing to watch. But, but Caitlin but, Clark but, is but also. You agree with me, Paul? And you're a sports guy like me. You could tell after five minutes of that game that LSU was the better team, right? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th I thought honestly thought it could go either way, but but uh, I mean, Caitlin Clark is the most God. dominant basketball player yeah. as from a shooting standpoint we've seen since like Steph Curry when he was at his best. Completely agree. Right? I mean, she's she's doing things we've never seen anybody do. She's only a junior, and and I think the cool part here is we've gotten to see uh, a lot of women in really important public roles lately. And they're handling it really well on both sides. Like I thought Angel Reese stood up for herself. I thought Caitlin yep. Clark stood up for herself. And now we got the women's soccer team coming for, for a new World Cup. And that is, I think, quietly one of the most dominant teams we've got. Nobody's won more women's World Cup in soccer than the U.S. So I, I think women's sports is, is really exciting and the U.S. is going to kick ass. So I'll, I'll say something here, Paul. I don't think I've ever said publicly. If I were king of the world and I could just snap and make a snap decision and it would happen, I'd get every man out of Congress and out of the executive branch. And I'd have only women run this country for eight years. 
two elections. I mean it. Okay. Well, I, I know it can never be done. And that's I mean, the very thought of you as, as king of the world scares the shit out of me. But I know, but, I, I, but, I, but I, I, I appreciate the intent. I have a twist on that. Thinking about this conversation. What? I'm, coach, I'm coaching Little League again. And um, I keep getting roped in. I feel like it's it's like <laughs> the movement or it's like the mob. But like every, you know, yeah. if you played and coached at some point, you go. But I also say this. I think every parent should have to coach. Yes. I think every American should have to coach. Like if you can't do military service and you can't work in a restaurant, I think coach, everybody literally. should have to be a coach of some sport for kids because that shit will humble you. And it's yes. so important and it's so needed right now because these young people, men and women, need coaching. So what do you say, Joe? When you come to New York, will you come watch the uh, the, the mighty Timber Rattlers? Oh my God! When when uh, when when's opening day? Are you guys out there? Oh, it was, it was this weekend, man. It was this weekend. You know, oh, one guy's going to come up. How long does this season last? It feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think perfectly. It ends on Father's Day weekend. I'm, I'm coming like, up to I'm coming up to watch you. Right, so you I, come I root for the Timber coach. Rattlers. You can come root for the Brewers, and we'd love to have you at a game. Until then, my friend. I appreciate you. I hope everyone will check out your show, which is now multiple times a week, right? White check flag with Joe Walsh. Thank you, Paul. And and he, he will curse a lot less, I promise you. But he I will apologize. No less fire. Stick around for a couple extra Patreon questions. This was a fun one. Thank you for coming back, my friend, the great and powerful Joe Walsh. Stay vigilant, Thank my friend. Thanks, Paul. All right, people, even in a crazy week like this, even in a crazy time like this, the helpers are out there. Joe Walsh is an example. He's been on the inside. Now he's on the outside. And no matter where he's been, he's been throwing punches and helping in ways that he thinks make a difference. Now, he's not your traditional kind of helper. But when stakes are this high, we need helpers of all kind. And Joe Walsh is truly one of a kind. But he's also a helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Especially when things get nutty, especially when things get scary, look for the helpers. And look for the hashtag, look for the helpers on social media and share yours with me. Many of you have done that. Please keep them coming. And here's a good one that I saw this week that you probably missed, but we might need especially given all the other chaos going on. Three Marines stopped a knife attack at a Virginia Chick-fil-A with one going so far as to snap the knife in half. Identities of the three hero Marines have not been released, but investigators say that the three Marines prevented a stabbing. It happened at 1.30 p.m. on Saturday, April 1st at the Chick-fil-A on Dunn Drive in North Stafford. So Stafford's about 65 miles north of Richmond. The sheriff's office said witnesses advised one male was approached by two others. The three got into a brief argument before a physical altercation ensued. As the two males assaulted the victim, one of the two males pulled out a knife. Three nearby Marines quickly jumped into action and attempted to separate the parties and one of them broke the knife in half to prevent them from stabbing somebody. And the two suspects quickly fled. No one was stabbed, and the suspects got away with the victim's cell phone. 
Deputies eventually found the two people. It was one 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, and one was found with a stolen phone. The 17-year-old was arrested and charged with assault and battery, robbery, and attempted felony wounding. The 14-year-old was taken to a juvenile detention center and charged with assault and battery and robbery. But the sheriff's office issued a statement. Thank you to the hero Marines who stepped up in order to protect the victim. Without you, this altercation could have been a lot worse. That's what being a helper looks like. And one day, in a Chick-fil-A or an IHOP or a Dunkin' Donuts, it might be you. In the meantime, please keep sharing your inspiring stories and posting them. Use the hashtag LookForTheHelpers. And when you're on social, join me and play Guess the Guest every Wednesday night. A lot of folks have done that. A lot of folks have not. If you have, I appreciate it. If you haven't, give it a shot. You can be like Grace, Grace on Twitter, who guessed last week when we had Rudy Reyes on the show. She said, all I can think of is Malcolm Nance. I'm not sure how Sylvester Stallone fits into that, but I'm probably wrong. She was wrong, but I appreciate her trying. I had this mysterious photo of Rudy Reyes, our friend, the Marine recon veteran, who was in a picture with none other than Sylvester Stallone. But unfortunately, our friend Grace did not get it. But somehow, and I really don't know how, Delfino Sanchez did get it. Our buddy from Aldine Tree Services in Houston, Texas, they do stump grinding. If you're down there and you need your stump grinded, call our buddy Delfino Sanchez. You can find him online. But Delfino said, hi, Paul. Could it be the great and powerful Rudy Reyes with Sly Stallone? Yes, Delfino it was. I don't know how the hell you get this shit, but you got it. He also added, the last pod with Matt Gallagher was tremendous and full of the five eyes. Do you have a better idea where Lamar might be playing next year? Stay frosty, my friend, Delfino. Well, I'm glad you liked the episode with Matt Gallagher, Delfino. Everyone should check that one out if you haven't already and check out last week with Rudy Reyes. And he's talking, of course, about Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback. And it sounds like the Ravens and Jackson are in a standoff and they're not going to come to any kind of conclusion. And it's now being reported by Josh Edwards of CBS Sports that the Ravens might trade Jackson on draft night. So I don't know what they're going to do, man. He could end up anywhere. We'll find out on draft night, which is definitely going to be exciting and is something to look forward to later this month. Delfino wasn't the only one who got Rudy. My old friend Rob Acosta also got it on Instagram. My buddy Rob Acosta, big shout out to Rob, an Iraq veteran and activist hero. He lives with his family out in Oregon. Love you, man. Thanks for playing. If you want to be like Rob, if you want to be like Delfino, if you want to be like Grace, play online and send your guesses. Every Wednesday, you can guess the guest. And while you're at it, go to independentamericans.us where you can support this show by joining our Patreon community. Big shout out to all our Patreon members. You're going to get some extra content today with Joe Walsh. It's some good stuff. We talk about Yellowstone. We talk about music. We talk about, I don't know what else we talk about, but Joe's pretty fired up and you should check it out. That's exclusively for our Patreon members. You can become one for just five bucks a month. And you can also see video of that in every episode at independentamericans.us. Every Thursday at 11.15 a.m. Eastern. Also, check me out in my weekly segment on News Nation with Marnie Hughes. We talk about national security, vets, and political news. And last week's show will always be in the show notes and on the website. And this week, my kids are off from school for Passover and for spring break. So I'm bringing my son to News Nation, too. I don't think he'll be on TV, but shit, you never know. Because it's spring break, it also means I'm taking off from our weekly Friday Zoom meeting this week. So 
look for that in the future. But thanks to Lisa, Joby, Chris, and the other listeners who came by last week on Zoom to chat with me and over the last few weeks. We're going to bring these back probably later in the spring or maybe we'll try something new. And since it's spring break, I'm going to take off next week, but we will still have a special show for you. Chris is working up his magic, so look for an Easter egg of content next Thursday morning and look for new shows every single Thursday morning. And hit me up on all social media platforms. Be sure to follow us and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're on right now. Please do that. It's free. Only takes a minute. Hit that button and share it with your friends because we continue to burn up the podcast charts all around the world. Yeah, the show's pretty popular in the U.S., but we are also popular in Slovenia. We are number 233 in Slovenia on the podcast charts. In Vietnam, we are number 162. In Malta, we are 165. And in Azerbaijan, we are up to number 64. In Azerbaijan, where the next F1 race will be, by the way, in two weeks. Yes, F1 is also back. And if you didn't see the Australian GP, you definitely missed out. It started at 1 a.m. Eastern, and I waited for my boys, and I saved it until the next day, and it was worth it. There were three red flags. It was a wild and fun Grand Prix with lots of crashes, lots of drama, lots of bad luck for Gasly and Sainz and so many others. But Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and Alonso are kind of looking like the big three of 2023, an American rookie Logan Sargent was one of many that crashed and didn't finish. He ended up 16th. Now, the race happened in Melbourne, Australia, which is now at the top of my F1 wish list, right after Singapore and Morocco and Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Grand Prix will be happening for the first time in November. If you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, I highly recommend you check out Drive to Survive on Netflix and become an F1 fan. Trust me, it is good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, March Madness is finally over. And on the women's side, LSU beat Iowa in the most watched women's championship in history. And as I discussed in my conversation with Joe, it was an epic one. And on the men's side, I think we should have known that it would be really hard for the championship game to live up to the exceptionally high bar set by the rest of this incredible tournament. And in the end, it was another UConn title in a blowout that really felt kind of like an emotional letdown. But outside of that, it was an epic March Madness. And March Madness may be over, which is kind of sad, but baseball is back. And that's pretty good. Baseball is back, and Easter is here. And that means the Easter Bunny. And in many ways, Easter is a holiday that is more fun with little kids than anything except maybe Christmas. Easter's like the Halloween of spring with an overflow of candy and, of course, peeps, that we see at no other time in the year. And whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, atheist, or something else, or whatever Marian Williamson is, or nothing else, Easter time can be a time of rebirth. It can be a time of flowers. It can be a time of fun. It can be a time of adults dressing in costumes, running all around, and doing all kinds of crazy things just to make kids happy. And especially the way this year is going so far, we're going to need a lot more of that kind of bounce from all kinds of adults.
Yes, independents are the future, and we're not alone in our independence. We continue to bop up the podcast charts from California to Azerbaijan. And America may be more divided than ever, but this Easter, we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change it, trying to be our own little Easter bunny to add light to contrast the heat. And if you're part of that 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. And if you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. And if you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome at this Easter breakfast, and we invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. Our independent movement is the Easter bunny of politics. We're patient. We can wait. We're fun. And we can smartly and strategically leave our gifts all around the country to be discovered on an Easter morning or in the days and weeks and months and maybe even years into the future. Country over party, people over politics, light over heat, disrupting the status quo and fueling a new movement that spans all across our society. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe Walsh. I hope you enjoyed last week with Rudy Reyes and all our recent shows so far this year. If you did, please share them far and wide. Invite others to declare their independence and stay vigilant, my friends, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And no, you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant and we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. And stay vigilant, America. Powered by Righteous Media.